Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in here at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad you all could be with us. Also, tuning in through online affiliates around the world, we appreciate you all being with us as well. For those who are looking as, as an example as to what can happen for them if they're willing to work hard, to do the work, and also not give up, our next guest is someone you should definitely take note of, and the book they wrote will, I think, be of assistance to you as well. We're excited to welcome Dr. Errol L. Pierre to our program today. We're going to talk to him about his book, The Way Up, Climbing the Corporate Mountain as a Professional of Color. He shares not only his own journey, but also the lessons he's been able to learn that he's imparting to others. And now, of course, you can benefit from as well. If you all are not following Dr. Pierre online, we'll let you guys know where to find him there, too. But, Dr. Pierre, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Cyrus. It's great to be here. Uh, the pleasure is definitely all mine. So I want to talk about this experience. One thing I noticed when I was prepping for this segment, I saw the great video you posted on Twitter when you first got the copies of the book, uh, The Way Up, <laughs> delivered to you. What was it like for you to see all of that hard work kind of come together in that moment? Yeah, it, it's so surreal to work on something for nearly two years, uh, starting from like your first page on a Word document and handwriting ideas to actually see it to fruition with a physical book. So the video you saw was just me in joy at the process finally being over, <laughs> but yeah. uh, actually, actually having a physical manifestation of, of a finished book. It, 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 there's a lot of pride there. It's still surreal for me. It's still yeah. surreal. And, and I wanted to ask you about that, Dr. Pierre, because as I was reading The Way Up, and it, it really is a fascinating look, not only, of course, at what it takes to be able to become successful and to make your mark in an industry, right? But it also is, I think, it shows a lot of appreciation that you have for the journey. So what has that been like for you to kind of reflect on your way up and what you've been able to learn along the way? Yeah, it's a great point. So the, the title of the book, The Way Up, doesn't mean it's the only way up. The book talks about it being my way up. And as I got to reflect, I also inter uh, interviewed 11 other executives of color to find out about their way up, and their lessons are also in the book. And then I also did lots of research, a uh, lot of examples of companies doing it right around diversity, a lot of examples of companies doing it wrong. Reflecting on my past uh, shows me that it was totally a mountain, and that's how I kick off the book, that there's this misnomer that it's a corporate ladder, and I think it's a, uh, a negative connotation for people of color to think and to walk around like it is a ladder, meaning that each step is equal distance from each other and there's only one place to go up and it's easy. And that, that, that was not my take. That was not my experience. The people I interviewed, it wasn't their experience. And so we have to talk about what it's really like so that people are prepared for the journey. And my journey had twists and turns. It was not all happy. It was not... Uh, positive. There was some, uh, you know, parts where I had to go down. Sometimes I had to double back. And I really wanted to convey the fact that it's a long journey. It's, it's like climbing a mountain. 
Yeah. And a lot of it, Dr. Pierre, seems to really come from, even from home for you. I, one of the things I thought was fascinating is the perspective your mother and father would have when it comes to experiences, right? Uh, and you talk about that in the book. How did that help you, having that balance of, of, of course, your your family being excited for you, but also wanting to question, wanting to make sure the motives of the things that were coming your way, that those things were right. What was that like for you to have that balance? Yeah, it's great. So one of the reasons I talk about my parents so much is because all of us, especially people of color, uh, black people, they may have grown up where they're in a corporate setting, a white-collar job, but their parents were blue-collar or gray-collar. My parents were blue-collar. So I learned hard work, respect, tenacity from my parents in their blue-collar jobs, and I took that as far as I could go. Those lessons only took me so far. I had to learn new lessons from mentors, and I talk a lot about mentorship, uh, that didn't look like me. These were potentially white people in, in corporate America. I had to learn lessons on how to navigate this new world that was totally different than their world, one as immigrants, and then two, as black people in America, their experience was totally different. So they gave me a great foundation for me to build on, for me to grow uh, in corporate America. But for me to, like, thrive, I had to build on their lessons with lessons from other people. And what I found in the mentoring that I do is we're, sometimes we're not people of color. Sometimes we're not reaching out to other folks, other folks that don't look like us, for those key lessons to get, to get up. And I, I needed that for my, for my success. Yeah. And, and that goes to another point then, Dr. Pierre, because you are someone who you're not trying to play it safe. You even talk about when you decided to go back to school how you, you made decisions that other people would not make because they weren't considered safe. You went somewhere that you knew was more expensive because you knew where you wanted to stay, but you also knew the work that was involved and the benefit of that. So what, does that, is that something that also came from your parents, that willingness to – to work harder and to do things that were more difficult um, it, just to be able to get what you wanted and the, the benefit that you yeah. wanted. Yeah, my parents were a great example. So just to give you context, uh, my dad uh, came to America in 1969. He grew up in Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. He grew up in a farmland in a town called Gonaive. Um, without his tenacity, ingenuity to get to America at, at the time, which was very hard for Haitians back in the 70s, uh, I would have grown up in Haiti. My life would have been totally different compared to growing up in a zip code in America. Just, just the fact that I was born in America changed my entire trajectory, and I, I owe that all to my parents for coming to America. So tenacity, hard work, pushing through it, I always look at, the things that I was facing, like going to graduate school part-time while you're working, is nowhere near what my father faced in Haiti and coming to America as an immigrant, not speaking the language, getting a job, buying a house. But the perspective is real. It keeps me grounded. Like, yes, I have problems, but my problems are first-world problems. Uh, it puts things in context. And I know other people are hurting in New York, in Mississippi, and it just gives us context to say, hey, we have to get back to. So that, that's sort of where... I stay grounded by thinking about my parents uh, and what they've done for me. Yeah. And and I want to say for our audience, too, uh, Dr. Pierre, that this book is not just talking about your successes. It's not just talking about your achievements and what you've been able to do and what you built. It also addresses the challenges. And one of the challenges I did not expect 
um, that I did not know going into the way up was you're talking about your experience with imposter syndrome. Why is that? Why was that important for you to talk about and to address not only for yourself but also for others who may have experienced that same thing? Absolutely. I, I recognize. So I work at a, a current company. We have 5,000 employees. I rec- I'm one of the few executives of color on the executive team reporting into the CEO. My past jobs, I was reporting into the CEO when I was a chief operating officer. I recognize I'm being watched and people are looking at me. And I might have the face of certainty and confidence and swagger as I'm walking through the hallways making decisions. I'm making big decisions, financial decisions that cost a lot of money. And I, could, I know I can convey this perception that, like, I got it all under control. I wanted to write the book to say, despite what you may see, even me at my level, I am still wondering in my brain whether I belong. Imposter syndrome is this insidious uh, thing that happens to high-functioning, high-achieving people where they constantly are challenged to think whether they're smart enough to be in the room, whether they deserve to be there, whether people are thinking that they're there as a token, so, oh, you're just there to, you know, check a box for you as a black person. And when you're the only person in the room and you're by yourself, you, then, you tend to think, you know, am I supposed to be here? And imposter syndrome can cause you to have so much more effort on challenging and trying to think about whether you belong, that you're not doing your day job, which makes it a distraction. And so your peers are fine. They're, they basically belong and they're feel perfectly fine and they're acting and they're working and you're at a deficit because you're expending so much energy wondering whether you belong that it's taken away from you doing actually good work. So I wanted to call it out because it's a mental block. It's a mental issue that people of color face. If you look at the research, and I, I, I did a lot of research around this, it impacts women and people of color more than anyone else. And if we don't get therapy or get a handle on it, it is a deficit for us, and it makes us uh, not as successful as our peers. So I wanted to call it out so that people can recognize it. And I appreciate that. Do you still have those wow moments at this point? I mean, here you have a book, The Way Up, that's a number one release on Amazon. At the time we're having this conversation, it's in the top ten in three categories right now um, as we are, are chatting today. Do you still have those wow moments when you look at, at milestones like this and others that you've achieved? still feel like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. So um, I've now confronted my imposter syndrome. Now I use it as strength. I've been able to pivot around it. That has taken a number of years. When it first started happening, I didn't know how to do it. But, you know, when you write a book, the biggest fear is who's going to care? Who's going to care about your story? So I put it out there, and I'm still surprised and astonished at the reaction and at the, uh, the way people are reading it. People are posting about it online. I'm getting messages and DMs about chapters people are reading. They're taking screenshots. I am so, I guess, surprised and humbled that it's touching a nerve with folks. So, yes, in this moment, I'm still shocked that my story seems to touch a nerve. That's great. Uh, But my goal was really to make sure that people don't think it's so easy and also to share some of the the trials and tribulations about it, too. So it's still in shock for me. Um, I will say... Whenever I have butterflies, it tells me I'm in the right place. It tells me I'm outside of my comfort zone. It tells me I'm doing something new. So I definitely have butterflies, but I know that means I'm in the right place. 
<laughs> love that. Yeah, I, I feel I feel the same way. I think that that is always a, a great thing. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, is on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Dr. Errol L. Pierre to our program today. He's the author of the book, The Way Up, Climbing the Corporate Mountain as a Professional of Color. The book's out now. For those joining us on the online side of the broadcast, you'll notice the Amazon link is there. For those joining us on the radio side, you'll find it on our Facebook page for WYED, so you all can be able to get it there. Another thing that you talk about, you alluded to actually here a moment ago, you were talking about, of course, being able to network, but also mentoring Dr. Pierre. And I love the fact that you talk about in the book, you know, so many times people want to be the smartest person in the room. That was not necessarily your goal because you realized what you wanted to do and what you wanted to be able to learn. How important has that lesson been for you to share that it's okay not to know it all but to be eager to learn? Yes, it's a great point. So in my career, when you first start out entry-level job, you get rewarded for what you know. You're an individual contributor. When you do good work, you get rewarded. As you keep growing, there's a pivot where the company is no longer asking you for the answers. They're saying, I'm going to give you a team of people and maximize the output of your team. So you did great as an individual contributor. Now can you take a bunch of individual contributors and maximize their output? And when you pivot to a team, it's, you're not the smartest person in the room anymore. You want to hire people smarter than you to maximize their output. And if you don't make that pivot, you don't become a leader uh, or a successful leader. And so for me, through my mentoring, I knew, okay, I'm at a point now where I want to move into management. I can't have all the answers because I'm going to surround myself with people smarter than me. One, you have to check your ego. That means you're going to say, I don't know, a lot more than you used to in your past because in your past, individual contributor, you had all the answers. Now you don't because you're depending on a team. And then two, your job is to build the environment so that your team thrives. They need to feel supported. They need to feel you have their back. They need to feel like they're the most important person in the room. So you're now deflecting oxygen to you, to them, so they feel good. I learned that through mentoring. I can't understate the importance of mentoring. Can I share a quick story, if that's okay? Definitely, sure, definitely. During the writing, I looked up why and where did the word mentoring come from. And the word mentor comes from Homer, the Greek poet who wrote the Odyssey, who talks about Odysseus who went to fight the Trojan War and left his son alone while he went to fight. He was going to be gone for a couple of years. And so Odysseus was like, I need someone that I trust that's going to raise my son like I would raise my own son. And the person he left his son with when he went to fight in the war was a man named Mentor. That's where the word mentor comes from. So I think we underestimate what a real mentor should be. It's like a trusted advisor that your father would trust someone else with, with you, right? And if that's truly the relationship you have with someone in the workplace, you're going to go far. What I think happens is we say we have a mentor, but we're not treating them to the degree that Odysseus treated mentor with his son. And so in the book I talk about how if you're going to have a mentor, you have to have respect for them. You have to take care of their time. You have to be a good mentee. You have to have an agenda. You have to have intent. You have to nurture the relationship. This is basically your father figure in corporate America. That's the degree you should respect the relationship. That's how you're going to get the value out of it. And, you know, I think that's a good lesson for all of us. I learned that lesson as well, making the most out of your mentorship relationships. 
Yeah. Another thing you talked about, a new I wanted to bring up with you is, well, it's actually twofold. One is not staying stuck, and you you talk about very very bluntly about you know knowing when to leave. You know when when yeah. you're not being served by a, a place. But you also talked about it possible, of course, being able to to plan. I mean, to prepare. Of course, in every situation, um, that is not something that can be done. You give an example in the book. I think the gentleman's name was Kevin, uh, Dr. Pierre, where you know, you were helping him after I think a downsizing was taking place. I think at his particular place of employment. But I, I think you know that is the thing too. You have not been afraid to to make those tough decisions. And that brings me to the other point I wanted to make to where the question is going to come from, Dr. Pierre, is that is uh, also being able to have some integrity. And that's something that is so missing today because everyone is thinking about the paycheck. I want to actually read this one passage that you have in the book. For those who have the print edition, the hardcover, uh, it's found on page 136. The chapter is Be Honest Even When It's Hard, and it's uh, the lesson is 11.1, uh, Dr. Pierre, Be Brave. You say this, have the courage to fail forward if necessary. Speak your mind, stick to your values, and accept the consequences. Don't be afraid to tell the truth ever. When you're asked if you have an opinion, have one. When early in my career I was told, Errol, your Achilles heel in business is that you have a conscience, what that meant was I felt a huge burden to tell the truth, no matter how hard it was. After years of reflection, I've come to realize that telling the truth is my greatest strength. It can be hard, especially if you do not have a receptive boss. But if you join a team and expect to be a yes man or woman, you may need to change teams. Do not compromise your morals for your paycheck. And we know, unfortunately, Dr. Pierre, this is something that does happen, and which is why people yeah. are so unhappy at times in their jobs, because they have made a decision that, okay, this, this job pays me. You know, I, I like the money. So I'm going to do whatever I have to do. What helped you to get to that place where that was not going to define your yeah. your, your level of integrity, but also your commitment to a place? Yeah, it's a very great question. And one of my favorite passages, so I'm glad you read it. Um, I learned the lesson the hard way. So as you know, I, I start the book with achieving the pinnacle of my career and feeling emptiness inside. So I learned the hard way facing title and money, at the end of the day, is fruitless if you, don't, if, you're not changed, if you don't have your passion and your values connected. And you can't retrofit it. You can't say, well, once I become rich, then I'm going to be a really good person. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. If you compromise yourself to make money, you can't retrofit your morals and your values after the fact. You have to do it in, in order. And so what I've learned is the minute you make a small compromise, you show the world that it's a slippery slope and you're going to make another one. So you make one inch of a small compromise on your values, one small white lie, one small misrepresentation of facts, one small point of uh, not saying something, so withholding information. People around you realize you'll do it and then you're going to have to do it again because you did it the first time. So I learned quickly after that lesson, that first lesson of never again. Uh, don't make this small decision so you won't have to make the large decision. And you'll live to, to fight another day. You'll go to sleep. I mean, I, I remember tossing and turning, not being able to go to sleep because I felt compromised on my values for decisions I made. I was like, this is not a life I want to live. The paycheck did not, like, soothe my soul. 
the emptiness was still there. So having the opportunity to do it again, I said, oh, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to be a yes man. I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm going to tell the truth when I'm asked. If the company doesn't like it, it's the wrong company for you. And that's a hard lesson for us to learn of, like, it's okay to not be a fit for a company because their morals, their culture doesn't align with yours. It makes your questioning of the company different moving forward. So when you're joining a new company, you ask more probing questions. You ask questions about what do you do about compliance? What do you do about X, Y, Z? So I think it's really important to put down your values up front, know what they are before you face a hard decision, so that when you do face the hard decision, it's easy. I think sometimes if you don't articulate your values up front, then you're in the decision-making process trying to think about your values. By that, it's too late. You're, you're liable to compromise them. I, I was left when I finished the book, Dr. Pierre, wondering a question, and that is, is this the book you intended to write? And let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, you know, it's we are able to get a glimpse of your own journey, right? We're able to get a, a glimpse of your lessons. But it really seemed like so much of this book is trying to help other people more so than just focusing on yourself. Was that the primary focus, or was that something that evolved as the idea for the book evolved? A hundred percent, I wanted it to be a lesson for others. Uh, I love mentoring. I love giving back. I love paying it forward. I would not be where I was unless people poured into me. So I feel it's my goal to pour into others. Uh, Many churches say this. My church says this. You're blessed to be a blessing, right? So if, you, if God gave you a dollar, that's why you give a dollar to somebody else. So I just felt compelled to share what I've learned. And, and hopefully people don't make the same mistakes I made. And I, I laid them out in the book. So definitely for other people. I will say that um, I did not think I was going to be as vulnerable as I was. Maybe it was because of the pandemic and I had a lot of time by myself. I thought I was just going to write a leadership book with lessons, but gotcha. um, I wanted to show where the lessons came from. So I wanted to have credibility and say, look, I'm not just blowing, you know, hot air. Like, <laughs> I went through this too, and this was a lesson that I learned from it. I really wanted to show not just research, but personally why I'm saying this is a lesson so that people could see some credibility in it. So what is your hope then? As people are reading this book, um, a lot of people are making the transition mentally right now, Dr. Pierre, of thinking ahead to you know what's to come for the new year and for themselves. For anyone who picks up the way up, what do you hope it does for them? Yeah, I, look, if you, if I talk about this in the beginning of the book. If you look at Fortune 500 percentages of board seats, only 5.7 are filled with women of color, only 12% are uh, men of color. It's totally understated, way too low compared to the fact that black people, people of color, are have more education than they've ever had in their entire, in, since America has been founded, and we have more white-collar experience than we've ever had since America was founded. So there's no excuse for the dismal numbers at the top. So this book is really to say, let's not take it anymore. Let's take it into our own hands. If we push our organizations on, on these lessons, the organizations are going to feel the pressure that they're going to have to act. So we don't need any more studies. We don't need any more diversity training. We don't need any more committees. And all we need now is action. And so the book is really a call to action for people of color that are in corporate America that want to move. But now is the time. And, and they should not be complacent. 
They should not take no for an answer from their company if they strongly believe they're ready for the next step, and it's really to advance the cause. The companies over the last few years have made so many public commitments to diversity, so this book is like, okay, so we're ready wow. to go. So that, that's really uh, my hope for it. Well, it's it's a wonderful read, and I think it really is inspiring, and I think it 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 meets people where they are, and I think that's the other thing is that it doesn't feel as though, you know, you are uh, are above the reader, you know, trying to tell them what they should be doing. You're right there alongside them, and that, I think that's really the way it, it comes across, and that's why I think it's so powerful. Again, everyone, Dr. Errol Pierre has been our guest. The book is The Way Up, Climbing the Corporate Mountain as a Professional of Color. It's out now um, through our friends at Amazon.com. You all can get it there. It is published, of course, by Wiley. You can be able to get it at your favorite bookstore as well. They don't have it. I know they'd be more than happy to order it for you. And Dr. Pierre, I know you're, you're all over social, but what's the best place for our audience to stay connected with you? Yes, social media is the best place. So I am Errol L. Pierre, E-R-R-O-L L. E-I-E-R-R-E, on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. And you can email me as well, Errol at ErolPierre.com. But social media is the best place to connect with me. Uh, You can follow my stories. I'm always putting updates up there, and I'd love to connect with everybody. All right. Again, thank you so much for a great conversation. Really appreciate the time and looking forward to speak with you again. Yes, this was great. Thank you so much. Hey, more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.